You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome once again to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. As always, I am Ben Wolf, your host. Uh, and we are going to cover with our guest today uh, the particular challenges faced by women entrepreneurs, how to overcome and compensate for them. Also, what can more established entrepreneurial business owners do to help? I invite everybody to uh, follow, to subscribe, to leave a review. As always, we say, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, it uh, not only makes the content and the knowledge that we share here and the value more accessible to yourself in the future, but gives access to that to more people, comes up higher in the search results, so definitely recommend doing that. And with that, I'd like to get into introducing our guest today, uh, who uh, we are doing in honor of uh, National Women's Day, which is this week, uh, Saturday, March 8th. And uh, she is, uh, she, you know, that, the content here is going to be, uh, I think, very related to that. And uh, she is the author of the book, Million Dollar Women, published by Simon & Schuster. Uh, she's the founder and director of an organization called Million Dollar Women, uh, which is dedicated to uh, women entrepreneurs reaching a one million or more at annual revenue. Uh, million Dollar Women is also an online business school which offers dedicated masterclass, quarterly mingle and mentor events in New York City, and an annual Million Dollar Women Summit. Uh, and the masterclass is for people all over the world. Uh, she is the host of the Million Dollar Mind podcast, so definitely recommend people checking out Million Dollar Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Great guests on, on her show and great hearing her insights on things. Uh, she is the founder and now board member of Little Pim, an early childhood language uh, teaching startup that she that she grew to great success. You can learn more about her at juliapimsler.com, and that's Pimsler spelled in a not necessarily intuitive manner, P-I-M-S-L-E-U-R. That's Julia Pimsler, P-I-M-S-L-E-U-R.com. And with that, I give you Julia Pimsler. Welcome, Julia. How are you? Great, Ben. Thanks for having me on and for the lovely intro. No problem. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I definitely look forward to this. And I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you was if you could just give people like, you know, we're going to talk about the women entrepreneur stuff. But uh, if you could just give like a quick two minute history, or like a little background that maybe that's not reflected on your, you know, quote unquote resume on paper or in the introduction of just like how you got to be where you, you know, where you are now. I like to say that I'm a creative person who came up with a business idea. And then it took me about five years to become a business person running a business with a creative idea at the center of it. And that mm. first idea was Little Pim, which you referenced earlier. It was my language teaching business. So my entrepreneurial journey sort of started there where I gave birth to my first son. I really wanted him to learn French. I had grown up bilingual in French and English, and that was just the mm. best gift my parents ever gave me. I got to get scholarships to top schools. I went to Yale on scholarship. I moved to Paris and went to the French National Film School and lived and worked in France for seven years. So hmm. for me, there was no doubt when my first child was born, I'd teach him French. But funny enough, there was nothing on the market for little kids to learn a foreign language. You've probably heard of Rosetta hmm. Stone, right, Ben? Yeah, for adults. Yeah, the language teaching method for adults. And my father created the Pimsler method, which is a competitor to Rosetta Stone. So I was kind of from the language teaching business, but there was nothing for little kids. And I decided to create the first method to help young children learn a second language. We did this multimedia series called Little Pim, which is the name of the little panda bear character that taught them. And mm -hmm. I was able to raise capital for that and grow it into a multi-million dollar business. 
But along the way, and I'm sure all entrepreneurs listening will relate, you know, there were so many face plants, there were so many sleepless nights, and I really wanted to make it easier for other women to build big, successful businesses. You know, you and I have both been part of the Entrepreneurs Organization, and they are part of this story in the sense that when I got to a place where I was making over a million in revenues, I joined EO. And then very quickly, Mm -hmm. I realized there were so few women in the room. It was like, where did all the women go? They just disappeared. And that's when I started doing the research, Ben, and found out, you know, how few women ever make it to a million. I don't know if you remember the stats that I shared about the percentage of women entrepreneurs who get to one million in revenues. Do you remember what that was? Well, I I believe you point out that only 3% of women entrepreneurs get to a million. Is that right? It's uh, it's two to three percent. <laughs> I set you up okay. there. I knew you'd remember. Okay. So yeah, no fewer than three yeah. percent of women yeah. entrepreneurs ever get to one million in revenues. And people usually ask, okay, well, how many men get to a million? So it's six percent for men. So men are twice as likely right now to get to a million in revenues. And we're not talking about you know right. billions. Like we're talking about getting off go in the business world, right? I mean, when you're at a million, that's right. when. You've got your money-making machine going. You've maybe got a team. You've got some systems in place. You can start scaling. So it just became my mission to help more women get there. And that's what led to the book and now the Million Dollar Women organization I'm running. Right. You know, it's great stuff. And, you know, we referenced the, the, you know, the Mingle and Mentor uh, events that you run, and you know, I've 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 uh, been privileged to, you know, participate in one of those as a mentor and kind of like a speed dating, speed mentoring type of structure that you have there, which is really cool to try to maximize the value of the mentors that you have. So, just you know, obviously, I see great work you're doing with that. Thing, just so we can explain what that is. Yeah, we bring people into a room here in New York City, and it's entrepreneurs who are trying to get to a million women in our community and then seasoned entrepreneurs like Ben not to make you sound old just you know experienced <laughs> uh, seasoned can be well that can be like a euphemism for old um, so anyway we get right. everybody into the room and then we do kind of speed mentoring which is like speed dating but everybody wins because each entrepreneur gets to talk to three different mentors and I don't know about you Ben but I'm, I'm always surprised when I sit down with an entrepreneur who's running you know a hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollar business that you say things that are just so intuitive to you as someone who's built a multi-million dollar business right. and they're just like right. sponges like oh my god i needed to hear that thank you so much did, did you feel a bit like that at the, right. at the event yeah i did it was great and and actually i, I started mentoring it as another another woman entrepreneur there's an organization um I believe it's I believe it's I believe it's national, but there's an organization called the Jewish Entrepreneur, which is not specifically women focused, but they also have a mentoring program where you know they set people up for two to four uh, phone call sessions with with a with a mentor, and they recently you know as I recently volunteered with them, and they set me they ended up setting me up with a, a woman entrepreneur. Uh, in uh, I think in Rockland County that has a three hundred thousand dollar business. We had one session so far. I think she got a lot of value from it, and we have another call coming up. I'm sure she did. That's great. Good for you. Well, you know, it's really fun to mentor. That's the other thing. You know, if anyone listening has ever thought, you know, I might like to mentor, but I don't know if I have time or I don't know what it means. You know, we actually have mentors who are not here in New York because we're also a national program. So our women are from Mm -hmm. all over the country, women from Seattle and Mm -hmm. Arizona and Florida and, you know, Utah. So our mentors are also all over the country. And in our organization, mentorship just means usually a one hour phone call. You know, you happen to be in New York, Ben, so we do have these in-person meetings, but most of our work is online. 
So if anyone listening is interested, they should, you know, reach out. I'm just uh, on my website, Julia Pimsler. Yeah, definitely. Julia as Ben said earlier, and I'm sure it's in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and, and the truth is that whether it's 3% of women reaching a million in revenue annually or 6% for men, even 6% is pretty low. You know, I mean, it's it just being an entrepreneur yeah. and getting to that level is, is, a, is a heavy lift. And so obviously anybody could use all the support they can get. But what do you think is the reason why, you know, even of that small percentage of men who do it, why is it that women are 50% of that in terms of reaching the million? What are the main reasons do you think are like for that disparity? We haven't been doing this as long as men have. You know, I was watching Mrs. Maisel last night with my 11-year-old son. What's amazing watching uh-huh. it with my son is when we see, you know, the choices for women as recently as the 60s was really only be a homemaker, be a teacher, or be a secretary or a nurse, right? That was it for like my mom's right. generation. And right. so, you know, my right. generation is the right. first group of women who we don't just have jobs, we have careers and we have careers we love. And so it hasn't been that long that we've been building businesses. So there's, you know, definitely just the catch up factor, right? Of like we're newer on mm-hmm. the scene in terms of being mm-hmm. CEOs. But then there's also three things that come up every year when they study why women don't scale up. And I did a lot of this research for my book, Million Dollar Women, which looked at how do we mm-hmm. get more women to a million in revenues. So it's three things that come up every year it's lack of role models. It's less access Mm -hmm. to capital, whether that's raising money or bank loans or even credit cards. And the third thing is having less scalable businesses, which is kind of code for starting businesses in industries that are harder to scale, like services businesses, right? Women over-index as like marketing companies, right? And uh, consultants. And we know that services businesses can be harder to scale. Not impossible. We've helped a number of businesses in our community scale to 5 million and beyond. But, you know, it, it's, it takes a different approach than like a tech business, right? Where we know that roadmap, mm-hmm. right? Go raise capital, you know, spend a bunch of money and scale it up. With services businesses, is a different road. And why why is that? And w- why is that, that that women are tending to choose the, the the types of businesses that are less scalable? Not obviously not because they're less scalable, but why why is it that that why is it that those choices are being made? Yeah, I'm a pretty good representative of why many women start their business, which is I was looking for a product and it didn't exist, and so I created mm-hmm. it. Right, language teaching for young children, zero to six, that just wasn't on mm-hmm. the market. I have so many women in my community who experience something and then wanted to create the solution. I was on the phone yesterday with a woman who's in Dallas, Texas, and she got breast cancer a few years ago. And she Mm. was going through chemo and having a really hard time. And she found these essential oils that helped her tremendously, had this calming effect, boosted her immune system, just really changed the course of her recovery. And she recovered, Mm. she went back to work. She then retired at 55 because she made so much money in corporate America, good for her. She was working in an energy company. Mm -hmm. And now she's launched this essential oils company. But she doesn't want this to be the little, you know, farmer's market, pick up an essential oils for eight bucks. She's going big, national, wants this to become like the number one brand. And she's really motivated by, you know, her own personal experience. So I think that is a very typical story. We have a we have over um, mm-hmm. eight hundred thousand women we reach through our social media, our blogs, our conferences, etc. And I would say that story is the most common one of like there was something I wanted or needed that didn't exist, and so I created it, whether it's a product or a service. Right. 
Right. And can no, we put I a finer that. point on that, though? Because, yeah, your question was, Please. you know, why are these less scalable? So I think a lot of men are approaching, you know, and being very, you know, broad strokes here. Of course, there are men, you know, who do the same and women who think differently. But if right. we're talking broad right. strokes, I think yeah, a lot of men, yeah, look at like, okay, how am I going to make the most money, right? And sure, they're passionate about what they're doing, but they're really looking at like, okay, well, who's made bank in doing this, right? And let me study that model mm-hmm. and make sure that I replicate that. Let me go raise venture capital. Right, right from the beginning, they're thinking about those things. Whereas I find a lot mm-hmm. of women are like, "How do I create something that's going to really move the needle for society?" And then it's sometimes not until they come to us and get the million dollar women training that they really start focusing on the money piece, right? Because right. we know right. businesses don't grow unless you focus on, you know, what's your money making machine, what are your margins, making sure you know how to read your P and L, all those things that again seem so intuitive right. to us right. running businesses, but people have to learn along the way right well yeah right and obviously it's a great resource that you're giving people you know people this you know there's a 10-month program and people can it can get this can get this training and learn those things and have mentors and accountability only four months yeah because you know these women are really busy that's the other piece of the puzzle is that when i was looking to grow my company little pim I had two little kids at home. My boys were three and six. I was married. And I just didn't have a lot of time to go take additional professional development. So I did wind up leaving my family and moving to Cambridge. I took a a 10-day course at Harvard called Launching New Ventures, which helped a lot. I joined the Entrepreneurs Uh Organization's Accelerator Program. So I did all these things, but it took me away from my business and my family. So when I set out to help 1 million women get to 1 million in revenues, which is our mission here at Million Dollar Women, it was important to me Mm -hmm. to create a program that women could do while running their businesses, while taking care of their families. You know, something you may not know, Ben, is that women tend to start their businesses in their mid-30s. And when do you think men Mm -hmm. start their businesses? Like statistically, at what age do you think men start their businesses? Also, men start their businesses in their mid-20s, and women start their businesses in their mid-30s, statistically. So what do women tend to be doing in their mid-30s? What would you guess? A lot of women are doing what in their mid-30s? Uh, a lot of women, I would assume, are, are married and, and, you know, married and raising children, married and, well, either married or not married and raising children at that point. I mean. Yes, yes. And also sometimes have aging parents they're taking care of, right? So you have these mm-hmm. women who are in the middle of so many big, important life issues while they're growing their businesses. You know, they simply don't have time, and in many cases, the resources. You know, I invested about $50,000 into my own professional development because I knew I wanted to Mm -hmm. go big. I was not messing around. I was like, I am just going to invest and learn what all these people know and put it to use, and it paid Mm -hmm. off. But I've seen that women are not really socialized, in large part, to invest in themselves. So you have very few women who are willing to, you know, put down that investment and they're just really busy running their businesses, taking care of their kids, aging parents. So those are some of the factors in why women are not scaling as much. It's certainly not about, you know, not being smart or capable or ambitious because they are all those things. Sure. Right. So, so it sounds like there's a real confluence of factors here, right? I mean, you have, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have a tendency for whatever reason, nature, nurture, whatever it is, a tendency to choose somewhat less scalable businesses, more conflicts and, you know, and, and, and having the attention and timing pulled in, in more directions. So just less, uh, less bandwidth to, you know, necessarily to devote Focus to it. fully on the business. Uh, right. For, for focus, you know, maybe, you know, lack of role models, the, you know, maybe lack of history 
uh, in entrepreneurship for women, you know, for as long, which, you know, again, leads probably is what leads to the lack of, of role models and mentors in that area. Well, there is one more thing that's both a positive and a negative worth bringing up. And for the women listening, I'm sure this will resonate, which is that there's actually this paradox for women entrepreneurs, which is most women who start a business, it's because they're kind of type A, they're kind of driven, right? They're really, really good at what they do. So they've gotten a lot of you know positive recognition for that. And then they think, okay, well, I'm going to start my own business. But then once they start their business, they get their first, you know, 10, 20 clients, things are going pretty well, they get to 100,000 or 200,000. And then all of a sudden, Ben, those very qualities that allowed them to start the business are the same qualities that are going to keep them small. This is the paradox. And this is where women come to us is, you know, being so perfectionist and so hands on and, you know, over delivering and all those things they get all that recognition mm-hmm. for that is going to keep them from scaling. Because you and I both know that to scale, right. you have to stop being the yeah. doer and start being the leader, right? And that's a whole right. other set of skills. Right. So that's really what interests me is that juncture, that moment. And I talk to women all over the country. It's my favorite part of my job where I get on calls with women who have just hit that wall, right? I know you call it the ceiling. We call it the right. wall. Uh, right. On your website, you talk about, you know, have right, you hit right. that ceiling? So right, for women, right. it's like they hit that wall. Right, and right, frankly, I hit it. I hit it in my own business. You know, when I got to 400,000, I had just like, you know, blood, sweat, and tears to get there to 400,000. But I didn't figure out how to hire a team and get the right capital and all that. And I got so exhausted. You know, I had my little kids at home and I I just almost shut down, to be honest. When I hit 400,000, I was like just exhausted and not paying myself enough and didn't see the path to scaling. And that was actually where I got my first help. And so that's part of what, you know, has inspired me to do what I do now is I know there are thousands and probably millions of women, right, hitting that wall right now. And maybe they don't live in a big city where they have access to entrepreneurial programs, right? Or they don't even know who to ask. So that's, uh, that's really part of what drives me is to help women figure out how to go from being the doer to the leader so they can scale up their business instead of shutting it down or, you know, just having a, a health crisis or a nervous breakdown, which happens too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, it's 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 profoundly stressful, and and like so so what else? What are more of the things that that women can do, who, uh, you know, to you know to you know to to you know particularly women entrepreneurs, right? Can do to uh, counteract some of these factors that working against them. And some of the things you're talking about, like you know, being transitioning from doer to leader, those are that's that's the same problem with men entrepreneurs. I mean, there's no you know. Obviously, anybody that's starting a business, that is what makes you successful in that, in that initial startup phase. Um, and uh, so that's something that, that everybody can relate to. But w- with all of these things, like what are some of the things that people can do to help themselves? The good news is this paradox where the skills that they have that allowed them to open a business and have initial success are the same things that are going to hold them back. It's not fatal and it is curable. So mm-hmm. what we always recommend women do is one, start with self-awareness. Like what am I good at? What am I not good at? And just because you haven't found a way to scale your business doesn't mean that someone else wouldn't be able to. I do remember feeling so alone when I my business was around four hundred thousand, where I I was I just kept trying to work harder and harder because that's what I was socialized mm-hmm. to do. I was always you know that student who did yeah. the extra homework and tried to get the A, and so I just worked harder and harder. But I didn't realize at the time that that was never going to get me to a million in revenues, right? Doing more of the same, mm-hmm. not going to get you there. <laughs> so you've right. probably heard, Ben, the, the definition right. of insanity, right? Do you know the definition of insanity? 
Well, yeah, I mean, right, uh, trying the same thing and expecting different results. And, you know, like they say also, like what, what got you here is not going to get you there. Exactly right. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But that's what 99% of entrepreneurs, especially solopreneurs, are doing. And that's why when you hear these stats of, you know, 50% of all small businesses shut down within five years, that's because people are not seeking help, right? They're just throwing everything they have at it. And then if that doesn't work, they shut down or they start shrinking. You know, we have women who call us too, said, you know, last year I made 200,000, but this year I may not even make 140,000. You know, I've got to change something. So the first thing is self-awareness, right? That you don't have all the answers and that help is out there. And then it's starting by reading books by people who have built successful businesses. I know you and I are both big readers. You know, I probably read a business book a week. I mean, I'm just constantly reading, trying to stay up on, you know, new trends, new ways of- Yes, I love Audible too. And I do still like holding the book and underlining the parts I like and all that. And uh, we have a big reading list in my online business program, Million Dollar Women Masterclass. And we're always adding to it. So, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts like this, right, to hear from people who've built successful businesses on Million Dollar Mind, my podcast, I interview people who've built multi-million dollar businesses from scratch to find out what they did, not only from a tactical standpoint, but also from a mindset standpoint. Because, right, it does require leveling up your mindset as well in the sense that the the frame of mind that got you to start the business is not necessarily the mindset you need to scale up the business. So it's self-awareness, it's reading books, it's finding out how other business owners scaled their business, and then it's working with people who know more than you do. I mean, it's as simple as that. I know you and I have both joined organizations. I've had many coaches. Did you ever hire a coach? Ben, did you ever have a coach? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I meet with my coach every every single week. Uh, you know, we get, we get together. You know, she creates for me, you know, accountability and yeah, we work through issues together, you know, and then, you know, we, you know, and then she's holding me accountable for in our meetings every week for all the things that I say I'm going to do. One of my coaches said her definition of a coach is a coach is someone who makes you do the things you don't want to do so you can become the person you want to become. Right. That's a good one. And I love that. Right. That's a good one. And I see myself that way too now, because the women who come to us, you know, it's not great news when we say to them, you're probably going to have to change almost everything about how you run your business, right? Because most of them are doing everything, right? They're fixing the broken links on the website. They're answering the emails. They're doing customer service. They're talking to the factory if it's a product. And that's got to stop, right? Which they know on some level, Mm -hmm. but they don't know how to get out of it. And women do tend to be pretty, like women who run these types of businesses, type A, perfectionist. You know, I'm a recovering Mm -hmm. perfectionist myself. That's how I consider myself. (laughs) Um, And I'm still recovering, right? But... If you want to grow your business, you gotta you gotta stop that. Join an entrepreneur's organization and find out what they don't know because the answers are out there. They just haven't gotten them yet. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, joining one of your programs at Julia Pimsler, P-I-M-S-L-E-U-R dot com. You know, uh, entrepreneur. You know, you mentioned entrepreneur's organization. You mentioned the accelerator program, and you know, we didn't explain what that is. But just for those people who are not familiar with it, there are chapters all over the world of Entrepreneurs Organization. You could find their website. Again, just Google Entrepreneurs Organization. They're, one of their requirements for membership is being over a million in revenue, but uh, they have an accelerator program. I think you can qualify with just 250000 in annual revenue. You can qualify to join the accelerator program and be matched with mentors locally uh, wherever you are in the world. 
um, you know, and in part of your entrepreneurs organization chapter locally, uh, who who are there because they they love helping. You know, they want to help people. Went through it, and then I chaired it for two years, and so that's part of how I oh, became wow. sort of an expert in how do you get someone to a million. And it's a little bit what inspired me to create Million Dollar Women Masterclass, my online business program, because Accelerator is great, but it also is dependent on the local volunteer who runs it. So some years right. the volunteer is right. super jazzed and putting everything into it, and sometimes they're a little bit asleep at the wheel, and it just kind of depends. Plus, there's that right. two hundred fifty thousand right. dollar minimum, and a lot of women don't meet that. Eighty percent of women entrepreneurs are making under one hundred thousand in revenues. So that was one of my motivations for creating my online business school, where the minimum is seventy-five thousand, and we're national. You know, EO Accelerator has I don't know maybe eleven chapters in our entire country, and each chapter has maybe oh, thirty okay. to forty members. So you know, they're just not hitting volume in the way that I think right. is necessary. If you look at this like a social movement, the way I look at it, like how. What mm-hmm. will be the social impact of a million women making a million in revenues? We're talking about lifting people out of generations of under earning, right? A lot of these women come from families mm-hmm. where they're the first ones to go to college. Maybe their parents are mm-hmm. immigrants from other countries, like, you know, creating generational wealth. I'm really excited about that. And studies show that when women make more money, they send their kids to better schools. They invest in other women-run businesses. They join nonprofit boards and help improve their communities. They run for office, right? So think about that ripple mm-hmm. effect that we're going to have when we help a million more women get to a million in revenues. We're also going right. to add 1.6 trillion more to the U.S. economy. That's a fan of the EO Accelerator program, but again, it's volunteer dependent. It doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't exist in every city. And so for the women listening, I hope they will come check us out because we have this really powerful community of women helping each other. And I think there is something about being in an all women's community when you're a woman business owner where there just aren't that many places where you can find other high growth women entrepreneurs. You can find other women entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them are not, you know, the going big type. So if you're like, I'm going big, right? The essential oils lady who's like, I don't want to be at the farmer's market on the corner. I want to be in Whole Foods. I want to be in every, you know, four season spa, right? She really wants to go big with this. She wants to be with other women who have those ambitions. And that's what our community is about. It's really interesting stuff. And, you know, and and I think we can get from that, uh, you know, we can infer about mentoring and and other things that that other more established business entrepreneurs can do to help uh, help women entrepreneurs. Again, people, whether they're men or women, can can help others through mentoring and, you know, getting involved, maybe through EO Accelerator, other things. Uh, and helping women entrepreneurs that they that they might know or come across, uh, and be and be those role models that that people need, and you know just really appreciate the work you're doing and coming on uh, the show today and all the insights that you shared. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for your support of Million Dollar Women. We love having you in our community, and we have a lot of men in our community on our board, on our advisory council, mentors like you. So if anyone listening is interested in getting more involved, please reach out at juliapimsler.com. There's a little contact form there, and I would love to hear from you and match you up with a woman trying to grow a business somewhere in the country. Uh, have an online business school that's a four-month program for women all over the country who want to scale up. We also have an annual summit for 300 women entrepreneurs here in New York, where we gather for a day and a half of keynotes and breakout sessions, and we have a pitch competition. Really fantastic day and a half. If anyone wants to learn more about that, go to mdwsummit.com. And, oh, sorry. If anyone wants to learn more about that, it's at mdwsummit.org, not .com, so don't use that take. 
And then lastly, we have a scholarship program called Million Dollar Women Fund, where we raise monies so that we can help women of color entrepreneurs have access to the right capital and mentorship and business curriculum to scale up. Because if only 3% of women are getting to a million, it's actually only 1% women of color. And average revenues for women mm-hmm. of color entrepreneurs is twenty-five to 50000 a year. So mm-hmm. we're trying to help move the needle on that too. And we just raised $50,000 for scholarships that we can give out this year. We're so awesome. grateful to everyone who contributed. So thank you if you're listening and you helped us do that. And if you're interested in getting involved in that side of our business, which is uh, the nonprofit side, we'd love to hear from you and find ways to partner up. That's awesome. So I really appreciate you coming on, all the value you shared. I think women entrepreneurs and everybody else can, can benefit from as well. A lot of universal factors that, uh, that, that, you know, that go into some of those challenges. And I appreciate you having you on. And I look forward to having everybody else on the other side. Thank you so much. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Ben Wolf.